What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Recorded live. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Well, it is the Cellar Dwellers back again, although you don't look like Todd. I'm, I'm doing my Imus thing. Do, do we, are, we li- are we on TV? <laughs> You're fresh back from the West, aren't I you? I am f- back from the Wild West, of Phoenix, Arizona. It is an amazing evening here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is just after 9 o'clock in the middle of July, and the sun has just set. We had a, we've got a bank of what, uh, five windows here in the studio that just go edge to edge, and uh, beautiful, beautiful sunset. We've got uh, tall pines over there, which aren't all that common. We have a lot more you know, oaks and ash and all that kind of stuff around here. But we're looking at a horizon of tall pines and just a spectacular sunset, beautiful blue sky dotted with white clouds and orange and pink and all of the colors well, of a I, I literally just spent two weeks in, in Scottsdale in the Phoenix area. And it has have phenomenal, phenomenal sunsets. sunsets. But I've got to tell you, tonight here in Pittsburgh was better than any that we had down there in two weeks. It was just gorgeous. You know why the sunsets are so so gorgeous there in Arizona? Why? It's, Numbers guy? It's the, it's the dust <laughs> the in dust. the air. The dust that causes is a, uh, is it diffraction, I believe? Refraction, de- diffraction, diffusion. It does something. Con- confusion. <laughs> confusion to the, to the <laughs> wavelengths. And, well, there you go. Anyway. That dust was always confusing to me. Cellar Dwellers coming at you from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am Dave Nelson, and you are the passionate one. The other guy. The Tog. other guy. Now, Good we, to be back. We've we, been off for a few weeks. Yeah, we've been gone for three weeks. And um, just to set the right tone, we got, we've got a lot of stuff to cover for tonight's show, we've got uh, two different bottles of wine actually that are open. We've got uh, more bottles of wine than that that are here in the studio. Uh, but to set the right tone, I want to go right to one of our reviews. Ah, uh, this review was written uh, actually back a little while ago, May sixteenth, by one Jim Fleming, and um, his title sort of leads you into his his point. He says, "Great wine." Paren formerly wine making close paren show. <laughs> so he says hello Tog and Dave. I guess uh, the order there is probably uh, totally insignificant. Uh, totally insignificant. This guy's right on the money. It took me two weeks, but now I've listened to all of your first forty shows. No. <laughs> <laughs> we need to send Jim, uh, uh, Jim three cases of wine and a computer. That's, that's <laughs> pretty impressive. Uh, oh you know what? Follow up, Jim, with your uh, with Jim. Your, get a life. <laughs> no, follow <laughs> no, up with your kidding. your mailing address, and we will think about what to do between now and when we receive it. You can email us. Anyone can email us at uh, cellardwellers at talkshoe dot com. Uh, we do get people misspelling cellar dwellers from time to time, but when that happens, uh, it, somehow these messages still get rooted to us. Now he goes on to say. Um, the only suggestion I have is to try and dedicate a bit more time in your shows back to winemaking. Personally, <laughs> we do call it home winemaking, don't we? Uh, I, I think you guys are a hoot, but a bit more on the winemaking stuff would be nice. So, oh. 
There, well put. Well there put, is the thought for the evening. By the way, he did give us five stars or five talk bubbles there, so we're happy about that. Thank you, Jim. And we, I mean, all of those episodes in two weeks, was it? Yeah, that's what he wow. said. That's a lot of episodes in two weeks. Good for Jim. Although I, I think the record is still uh, – what was the gentleman's name out in Seattle? Who um, I think he listened – that is, by the way, spectacular. I am loving that blend. But I, I believe he listened to most of the episodes during a uh, round trip to Hawaii and back oh, on yeah, the airplane. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, masochists out there or really bored people. Hey, uh, uh, Tone or Tony? I think maybe it's Tone. Welcome to the show. Uh, JB has uh, tuned in. Is oh, he in JB Texas? JB from Texas. Texas. North and, of Austin. Uh, David, of course, is with us, the composer of the Wine News theme and the Idiom Alert theme. And we have Alpha King, who is always a great source of information. Um, Alpha King, I, I don't know if he's muted himself. Hey, Alpha King, uh, did you mute yourself or uh, did I fail to unmute you when you joined the show? You now have unmuted me. Okay, well, I'll leave. He, Alpha King, he does that to me a lot, too. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Wait, I believe we can we, we can shut off his mic just like that. All right, we're in control here. Oh, gosh. Uh, now, go ahead button. and uh, you can go ahead and mute yourself, so I'll let you come in and out of the show as you, uh, as you choose to. Well, so um, lots to cover. Why don't we share what we're, we're drinking first? Because this is about uh, wine tasting. And we have here the Beringer Founders Estate Cabernet Sauvignon 2004. So oh, four. our distributed internet wine tasting. And do you, do you have the receipt over there? No, I have the receipt right here. What, uh, David, you've got this out in California. What did you pay for this today? Seven ninety-eight. <laughs> oh, Eleven ninety nine. Oh. Oh. David, I think you should send us Christmas presents with all the money you save on these <laughs> bottles of wine. That's incredible. Wow. Seven ninety eight. Oh my gosh. And do you do you purchase uh, is there a particular place there that uh, you mentioned you went online to check a price earlier before we went on the air? Or is that is that a typical price? No, that that's on um Actually, where I bought it, I guess that's the regular price. That uh, KL Wines in Redwood City. Oh, in Redwood. Redwood, Redwood City. Redwood. Oh, Redwood, Redwood City. City. Not where we got our Zin. Didn't we get some Zin from Redwood? I don't recall. California. Uh, I was some born Redwood. in Redwood City, which we've talked about before. Oh. That's the city of my birth. So Land I, of I cheap know wine. <laughs> it has city on the end of it. <laughs> it's where all the great wineries and wine hosts come from. <laughs> All right, so uh, we are drinking the Beringer Cabernet. What do you think of this one, Tog? What, uh, what I, would you have to say? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to taste it, actually. All right, while you taste it, let me share just a little bit of uh, history on this particular vineyard because it is one of the oldest around, or at least its heritage. On the back of the bottle, it says, Our wines are a tribute to the Beringer brothers who founded Beringer Vineyards in 1876. Classically styled, fruit-forward wines are handcrafted. Yeah, I don't believe that. For your enjoyment, this full-bodied Cabernet. Well, what does that mean, handcrafted? <laughs> I guess. What it, does that mean? A guy grabbed a valve, threw it with his hand. There it is. It's handcrafted. I think that yeah, they turned the valves on and off it's, by hand. It's or, a little bit of the old rich Corinthian leather idea. Yeah, something know? like that. Doesn't really mean anything. All right, so it does have some notes on what we should taste, but before we, we reveal what the uh, mm, Beringer nice. brothers believe we should be tasting, what are you tasting? I am tasting. I'm smelling. I haven't tasted yet. Definitely fruit for, forward. Some black cherry. Hmm. A little tannic, not too bad. That has to breathe a little bit. Uh, David was right. It's spicy. I'm not picking up as much spice because I've tasted, I ruined my palate with the other wine oh, we're drinking tonight. Which is one of our own blends. Which is a blend, actually. Uh, I've poured a little bit. I just put this blend together before the show, and uh, the numbers guys are uh, going to taste that. It is two, a blend of two of our wines that we've made, which... Um, by the way, we've won silver and gold. <laughs> All right. Don't let people forget that. Uh, okay, so I, I, I'm trying to guess what's uh, in our wine, which I've just switched to after drinking the Behringer, which mm. definitely throws you off a bit. It does. So I'll tell you. 
Because it'd be tough to tell. Well, I was going to say, I'll guess and just show my um, lack of uh, ability to recognize blends of my own production. But I would have said it was uh, a Cabernet and a Zin blend. Very close. Cabernet and Syrah. About, ah. About, about roughly three to one. Three cab to three one. Three cab to one. Syrah. Syrah. But it is the 04 cab with the 05 Syrah. Mm. Now, is that legal in Pennsylvania, by the way? Is that legal? I don't think so, and we've just committed that to... Uh, is it legal to... What about... what? Now, there's a question a for our listeners. What? If, uh, can you... If you take, a, say, this Cabernet, this Behringer we're drinking tonight, 04, as long as it is whatever the law is, 70%, 75% Cabernet, it has to be that varietal in California to be called that varietal. Is it 70 right, or 75? It's, it's 70 or 75. What, what is it? Is it did, David, I thought I thought I heard you say. Uh, 75. 75. So what if they blended that 75% 2004 cab with um, 25% whatever, Merlot, from 06 and bottled it and said that was an 04 cab? Is that is – that, is, or do all the blends have to come from the same vintage? If anyone I knows – I believe it would have to be at least 90% the same vintage. <clears throat> Oh, the blend has to be 90% of the same vintage. Hmm. All these rules. Unbelievable rules. Wow. Well, I, I'll, I'll take you at that. I, I really don't know. I'm, I was asking. So anyway, we, we'll have to call this an, an 04 cab blend. Well, according to um, the marketing people, this full-bodied Cabernet exhibits a deep, uh, or exhibits deep berry flavors and subtle notes of toasted oak and vanilla spice. Serve with your favorite grilled meats or hearty pasta dishes. Enjoy. By the way, the Behringer uh, website, uh, B-E-R-I-N-G-E-R dot com, I'm just exploring. And they actually do have quite a, a, quite a nice website with a lot of um, information about the winery and, and so on. The whole history, the it's property. Be- beautiful, beautiful uh, winery. Uh, uh, that was one of the first ones I toured out there years ago. It is one of the classics. Was, it is classic. It's very nice. And they had a reserve there, a cab reserve that I aged for about 12 years that was fabulous, that you could only get there, they said, but which I believe. Anyway. I see Tim one. Tim has uh, joined the show and chimes in that uh, he says actually it has to be 85% the ah, same vintage. 85% so there you the go. same vintage. 75% a given grape varietal and 85% right. the same uh, vintage. So. I guess that means you could, if you do the math, you could probably get below 70% of a given year varietal and still have it called that year Cabernet. Yes, you could. Yes. <laughs> Very <laughs> Thank good. You. Thank you. Okay, you can put Just your calculator away Doing now. some math here. Yeesh. Hey, we had a little uh, crisis in Pennsylvania while, we did. Uh, while you were gone. Well, I was away. Yeah, so uh, you know what? Technically, this is wine news, so let's, let's just do a little bit of wine news here. This just in from our our esteemed governor Ed Rundell. Now, is Ed is it the Reverend Rundell? Is he like Al Sharpton yet, Rundell? Or is he? Oh no, he was on the last show of The Sopranos. Rundell wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got killed in I, the I, show. I was. I think he hoping was in, it was him. He was in the diner. He was the chef. That's uh, our that's I, our illustrious uh, I am governor. Miss that show from Philadelphia. By the way, this became a national news story, and I I saw it on uh, or, or listened to it on CBS radio, and they call him Rendell. Rendell. <laughs> Rendell. <laughs> so uh, apparently in New York they don't quite know how to pronounce the governor of Pennsylvania's name. But what the heck? That's, What's the big news? Well, the big news was that the. Um, we had a state budget crisis here. The state actually shut down for how long exactly? I was away. It was like two days. I was going to say a couple of days. We didn't uh, ratify the budget by early July, and uh, the, the Democratic governor was wrangling with the Republican House and uh, – or legislature, I should say. At least which, part which of we the, have uh, like – the highest number of representatives per capita in the in the country isn't that true? I think it's just state by representatives total quantity. We have more uh, people in that legislature legislature trying to govern us than any other state. So I guess we're really well served. Uh, we're really good at government here We've in got, Pennsylvania. <laughs> We've got a lot of it. <laughs> we got a lot of it. Yep, and they 
They do a darn good job. Ah, keep at it, boys well, and ladies and gentlemen. So to the point. So, but the state budget impasse will not affect wine and spirit stores, which for our listeners, anyone that's chimed in here before, you know that um, you can only buy uh, wine and liquor in state-run state the stores. Pennsylvania in Liquor Pe- Control Board, Gov- government-run. Right. and um, Well, the funny thing about this is – so. You know, we're in a crisis. The, the the government doesn't have money or the authorization to spend money. So what do they do? They start shutting down everything. 20,000 people who are state employees suddenly are without a paycheck, without work. You can't go to the national parks. You can't get your driver's license. But the state, in its infinite wisdom, kept the liquor stores open. You could buy wine. You could buy <laughs> And I think really the motivation here is that the um, you know the, the senators and representatives they they recognize a threat to their incumbency when they see one, and they knew if in this budget crisis they shut down the PLCB stores, they'd be voted out, kick the bums out at the next election. I think that's really what happened there. Well, that and my spin on it is this: if 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 the state government runs something that. And I don't know if there's another state that that has a, a liquor control board like Pennsylvania. Well, the, certainly the, Utah would have you know tough rules about liquor, right? Yeah, so but the I don't believe there the state is, runs and owns the, uh, a retail business. Yeah, I I do not know. I, I don't know. No so here, here's my spin: You've got government who all of the governing bodies shut down, but the one entity which should be left to retail stays open. So what that tells me is the rest of government should be like retail. If you don't make a profit, you're hot, you're fired. I like Boom, the idea. You're gone. By I the way, the, go to gin. The one other thing that they made sure kept working in Pennsylvania, uh, casino gambling has come relatively recently to our state. We have five casinos now, and uh, they made sure that the casinos stayed open. Now the casinos aren't operated by the government, but there is the government oversight, I guess, to make sure they're not um, you know skimming or cheating or whatever. And um, they made sure that the uh, that the the folks would uh, be there to do their important oversight job to make sure the casinos could keep running. So we could in a keep crisis, the stuff that makes money stays open. Well, that's exactly what the, the stuff that loses money closes up. Right. That is the real that that is the pretty, real motivation. Clear so, to me. Right. The the amount of tax revenues that the state would have lost without gambling and liquor would have uh, you know put us into a real crisis. So anyway, that was our first little bit of wine. All right, news. we'll come Here back to PA. wine news, but you know, to um, to Jim's comment, why don't we talk a little bit about winemaking? We've been doing some stuff with wine. You and your extended family were over just before you scuttled off to uh, Arizona. Yes, during the U.S. Open, the Golf Open here in in Pittsburgh. What a phenomenal weekend that was! Uh, Tiger Woods coming in number two, but uh, Pittsburgh. It was a spectacular weekend. A lot oh. of great stuff going on around here. The golf course looked fabulous on TV with great weather. I actually had to fly out the next morning. I flew to Boston on Monday morning and it was a zoo at the airport with all, all those people heading oh, back heading to back, home. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But well, anyway, yes, we had family in and they got a tour of the um, Woodbine Estates winery and we tasted the 06. I believe we tasted pretty much everything. everything right? right? That wine thief comes in really handy. You stick it down in the barrel. But the thought that it brings to mind with respect to winemaking is this. Uh, you know, we opened up the barrels, right? And so you open up that barrel, you're getting a little bit of oxygen exposure, and oxygen really is the enemy of wine and the winemaker at this point in the process. So, um, hey, David, I'm just going to uh, click mute there to keep some background noise down. Uh, the, uh, uh, the issue is how do you really manage oxygen during winemaking? And so there were several important things that we, we did this particular night. First of all, uh, in opening the barrels and taking some wine out, it gave us an opportunity to look at where was the level of uh, wine in those barrels. And we seem to experience, I'm just going to guess that it runs at about the equivalent of one bottle, 750 milliliters of evaporation per you know, one to two weeks. And so if it's been a month or two, we can be down a gallon in a 30-gallon uh, barrel. But is that true throughout the aging process of the year, or do we see that typically during more during the first month or two, and then the last three or four months of aging, not quite so much? It, does, it seems to evaporate uh, quite a bit. Um, At a know, pretty constant rate. Uh, well, and I think what's happening here is, you know, it's the summer, 
now. The humidification is off in our house. The air conditioning is running. It, during the winter, we run a humidifier, a whole house humidifier, to try to keep the humidity up. So uh, uh, during the summer, dur- during the summer, I think you have the potential for more evaporation because it's a warmer temperature and there's less humidity, at least added to the air in our house. So what we did was we actually went into our wine cellar and we grabbed several bottles of Cabernet and Syrah from past years and used them to top off the barrels that we had going. So we did a little bit of, um, I guess, cross-vintage blending there. Um, Ooh, probably I, hope not, I hope we're not over the uh, <laughs> violating some violating rule, right? Violating the 85% rule. But the key was to top them back up to replace both what we'd removed with the wine thief and what we had lost from evaporation. And I think this is really a key point because if you think about a barrel on its side and that bunghole, which is you know has a pretty large surface area, and every day the uh, air pressure is going up and down, so you know stuff is being pulled sort of in and out through that bunghole and through the pores of the wood, uh, you you actually have, given that the barrel's on its side, a fairly large surface exposed to air or oxygen being the enemy. But here's a question. Would there be less evaporation if we go to the containers? We, were, we talked about a few shows back, the collapsible, adjustable size containers, or car, carboys relative to oak barrels would there be less can you control it more when you've got a glass enclosure with a with a, a bunghole or an opening with um the enclosure cl- closing that off compared to closing trying to close off wood and the other question is with evaporation what's going to evapor- evaporate first alcohol does it change the alcohol level that's a great question. Let me take your first question first, though, because we right now in the um, in the wine cellar we have three thirty-gallon barrels, and we probably have nearly ten, approximately ten five-gallon carboys. The carboys being glass, and the way they're shaped, they have you know only that maybe two-inch diameter opening at the top. We have no evaporation to speak of uh, from them. So you don't have to top off carboys. I There's suppose answer, right. that's a, a big advantage along with the other things we've talked about, uh, lower maintenance, um, no risk of contaminating the wood in a way that you damage the, you know, the vessel because glass you can't. Having, having options with what with kind of oak the, you're going to oh, put right. into so it. Right? If, you're, if you're out there and you're just getting into winemaking, I'd say don't buy the barrels. Uh, go with carboys or um, the point you raised, they have these variable volume uh, stainless steel tanks. And again, there, I think because it's steel and plastic, you're not going to have the kind of evaporation issues that we have with the barrels. Mm -hmm. And again, for folks who haven't listened to all the shows, barrels are only good for six or seven years. And you've dumped, you know, $300 into a purchase price. A minimum. a lot of maintenance. You have to wash them with, uh, you know, both citric acid and uh, uh, soda ash every year and burn sulfur in them and all that kind of stuff. So, But I'm going to be the passionate one here. Yes, and say going with that, tradition? well, if you're going to make, if you're going to get into the 50, 60 gallon and up range, I would strongly suggest, after your first year or two, buying a 30 gallon barrel. Because I just love to go down there and wrap my arms around that thing and give it a hug. I got to tell you, I just love seeing the oak barrel and knowing that the nectar of the grape is in there doing all of its marvelous things. And if I saw a stainless steel tank sitting there, I don't know. I think it was cleaning product or something. I'm sorry. I, I still have a passion for oak barrels, even though I'm not going to argue with you. There's no question you can control other things a lot easier and probably less money. But there's something about an oak barrel. No. It, oh. Well said. Well said. Um, it, it, it does – make it feel like a real winery when you go down there and there's it all is, those it's barrels. Cool. It's cool. And, I mean, even the wineries that most that make most of their wine in stainless steel still have a few, you know, hundred barrels uh, lying around. So, by the way, a couple of listeners great, here great are, questions here. are uh, chiming in with uh, both information and uh, questions. So David actually was looking it up by federal law. If you're going to vintage date a wine, he says 95% must be related to that vintage. Uh-huh. So 95% per federal law. So at least wow. that's where we are in the U.S. That's a fed- – the feds gave an overall umbrella regulation nationally? It's a shocker. 
Wow. It's a shocker that the government would be well, regulating they're that alcohol. they're concerned about wine? That's incredible. Oh, come on. They didn't have anything to do that session, so they oh, tried to muck my. around with some other part of our lives. Wow. Okay, Tim uh, Bakta, who's been on several shows. By the way, welcome back, Tim. Uh, he has several interesting questions here. Um, he, he does uh, say, yeah, the government is back and uh, working yet. What evaporates, the um, alcohol or the water? And I actually have no idea. I, I suspect that alcohol evaporates more easily at a, you know, a lower, lower temperature, temperature or lower uh, pressure than uh, water. So you might worry that it is a little bit of the alcohol. But I suppose it also re- relates to what permeates into the oak. And, you know, I don't know whether oak is alcohol if, if permeable that's, or – If that's where most of the evaporation is well, taking place or is it around the bunghole? There's a lot of debate about this. People do claim it's around the bunghole, but we've got a big rubber stopper jammed into that bunghole. And so my personal belief, despite the fact I've read other people with other opinions, is that you lose most of your um, Evaporation through the collective pores of what? That surface area of a barrel must be 15, 20 square feet. I think after one year, I think you're full of baloney. I, I don't buy that one. I'm you sorry. think it's the bunghole. I think it's the bunghole. Actually, hole. you think it's the wine thief. I, I, I know you yes. said your opinion in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. After knowing you for all these years, it brings a new definition to wine thief. Yes, wine thief. But uh, <laughs> I don't, I cannot believe. That once that barrel swells, that eight months later, you're losing evaporation through a swelled barrel with wine in it that's not leaking, uh, two or three years into it, no way. No, it's the bunghole. I, th- I think I th- I, I, I'm, I'll, bet, I'll bet you the next bottle of whatever wine you want on that one. All right. So do you get more flavor out of the wine because we lose a gallon or two of volume? Well, I th- I think the concentration of the flavor must be there. I think it goes up. If it's going to, it's most likely going to be alcohol and or water together. Whether uh, you know, I mean, this is basic chemistry. You know, whoever has the lower boiling point is going to evaporate first, right? I mean, yeah. anyone in a chemistry class knows that. But again, I do want to point out that um, water dissolves different things and probably travels through different membranes in a different way than alcohol. So depending on our theory, if the bunghole is at play. If you believe you, it's water. If you believe me, it's It's alcohol. alcohol. I want it to be water, baby. Don't Go online and vote. This is going to be like (laughs) American Idol right here. Right. We're Is it Tog or Numbers Guy? <laughs> we got to come up with some kind of experiment to prove this thing. I'm going to get a weird hairdo just for this vote. Oh, man. <laughs> what was that guy's name? The oh, guy? Sanjaya with his yes. pony hawk. Yes, pony Sanjaya, hawk. Sanjaya, my right. papaya. Right. Tog with a pony hawk. Ay, ay, ay. Now, I, I thought this was a good point to bring up our uh, one of our sponsors, which is uh, Winemaker Magazine. Uh, you can get your own subscription, by the way. If you didn't listen to the ad at the beginning of the show, which I think is inserted now on all the shows we do, but go to winemakermag.com slash talkshoe, and uh, you can get a subscription, and they'll know that you came from the cellar dwellers. Yeah, let them know you're into home winemaking. Now, one of my favorite uh, – first of all, the new episode just came out. This is the August-September no, no, episode. No, 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 new issue. I'm I- issue. You're right. Issue. I'm you, sorry. You, I'm go- podcasting on the brain. You've got <laughs> <laughs> thank you, passionate one. You've got for the correcting. Sopranos on the brain. With oh Ed, man, with Ed Rendell, Rendell, Rendell. I am so disappointed that show is over. Bring it back. So the uh, new issue came out uh, just in the last couple of days. Uh, the main story is on cult wine secrets. Uh, they've got a very interesting story on uh, new grapes that are, new grape varieties that are being developed to grow in non-traditional grape regions, including places like Minnesota, where it gets really cold in the winter. But there, maybe the, my favorite section of this is the wine wizard section, where people write in with their either problems or weird questions. And a related question came in. Uh, the question was: I have two 225-liter uh, Limousin French oak barrels filled with a blend of 70% uh, Neb- is it Nebbiolo? Is that the, the grape? Nebbiolo, 20% Barbera, and 10% Merlot that was fermented in October of 05. Now we're talking, we're almost two years into this, right? It's now July of 07. It was topped off regularly and the metabisulfite was added twice. It was racked into. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Metabisulfite was added to the barrel? Yes. 
Because uh, the metabisulfite actually does uh, decline over time. So the person apparently boosted it up. They're saying their their meta levels are correct, which well, they, probably means they didn't say that. They said they added metabisulfite. Right, but I'm assuming that they're in the let's say the and thirty this, to forty parts per million. In this, this in, is during in, aging. Just. Y- Barrel aging. Well, I'll, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll have an issue with that in a minute. Go ahead. All right. So um, anyway, uh, racked after the first ferment but has not been racked since. So uh, the this has been on the lees, if you will, for almost two years. Uh, they're in an old-fashioned root cellar in western Massachusetts. R- I'm sorry, racked once. Racked once, only at the very beginning. At the very beginning. So, so there's probably a lot of lees or dead yeast hulls there on the bottom. And uh, the person is wondering, okay, I've stored this at 35 to 60. Um, I am ready to remove the barrels, but I don't know if the wine has gone bad. Should I rack and return to the barrels for, say, 30 to 45 days, then rack to glass, demijohns or carboys, or can I go right to bottling? Wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't know if the wine's any good. Has he been tasting it? Well, no. And so the wine wizard writes back straight away. That was, you know, you are right there with the wine wizard. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, that's my other name, Wizard. Uh, I suggest you spend some quality time with your barrel. Ah! <laughs> what? And what am I <laughs> hugging our barrels? Yeah, so hugging right? and tasting. Um, the wine wizard is right on. The wine wizard goes on to say you're past the usual bottling window, which is typically 10 to 18 months. And by the way, that's right, a reminder. I was going to say a couple of years. We, pretty yeah, long. pretty long, right? We are at the 10-month period since uh, since our wine last fall. So I think we – need to be considering, especially for the Zin, which we don't want to have over-oaked. Well, that's what you're going to be tasting, which is surprising that this person, I mean, they've got some pretty nice Italian varietal of grapes. They've got a fair amount of wine going here to have not been tasting it all this yeah, time. It's kind of odd. that's a bit odd. Uh, but if the wine has been taken care of, and it sounds like it has, the wine wizard said, topped off regularly, again, that's about minimizing oxygen and sulfite added along the way because again that sulfite level declines you should be fine if you're going to if you're going to age in a barrel that long yes we don't typically add sulfite we will look at the sulfite level when we first press and generally because we start around 50 we're still around 30 to 35 when we press and you don't want it to be much higher than that from your malolactic fermentation. So we don't generally add sulfite. And um, frankly, it's only at the very end when we bottle that we rinse the bottles with sulfite and then put the wine into it. And that gives you the right uh, level for going into aging. With a 10% solution, yes, by the way. Yes, exactly, with a 10% solution. So uh, anyway, on he goes. Uh, wine Wizard says basically uh, – you know, taste it. If it tastes good, if it smells good, if you don't pick up anything, then it's it's good. And um, you know, it's there's a risk at this point that it won't be good. Says so. Watch out for burnt rubber, uh, onion, rotten eggs, which is your sulfur smell. And um, anyway, apparently, part of the problem does, uh, as he say, as he says, relate to what. What he describes as stinky compounds like mercaptans and sulfides that live in deep layers of undisturbed lees and can infect an entire barrel. Mm. Since you've only done that once, you could be at risk. So So the lack of racking is maybe more the issue than anything. Well, I think this person, uh, Ted, by the way, who submitted his question via email to Winemaker Mag – you know, I think he's dealing with two two problems: uh, the, both the amount of time that he's aged this in the barrel, and the fact that he didn't rack, and, and therefore the lees. Okay, well, relating back to one of our topics of uh, uh, oxygen, the the enemy of aging wine, to a point, because we all know that microoxygenation is a necessary part of it. What is the risk of going two years plus in a barrel for aging? I is think it is uh, if you? I think that leaving it on the lees this long was a that's was a well, I think was maybe the worst mistake right. this particular person made. You're dealing other, with other than not tasting it too, but leaving it on the lees that one racking in two years is, is not a good idea. Right. But let's say you racked routinely three, four, five times, whatever during the first five, six, eight months, and then said, "Okay, I want to air. I want to barrel age this for a year now." To go close to two years, I think uh, the the, the micro oxygenation. You're going to have more there than you are in a bottle with a cork. 
Um, that's true, and right? more than carboys. Carboys, I think you could leave the wine, you know, virtually almost, indefinitely, almost like right? Exactly, like a bottle. Yeah. So I think the the microoxygenation is a minor risk. I think the the larger risk is that you don't do a good job of topping this thing off, and um, you know, then you start to expose it to a lot of oxygen. There's you know, there's perhaps a bigger risk. You're likely going to pick up too much in the way of tannins and oak flavors, so you're going to have an over oaked wine. So that's a big risk. Depending on the age of the barrel. Right. Depending on the age of the barrel, for sure. Uh, the Wine Wizard does say that to deal with that, you could do a fining, like an egg white fining. We shared the egg white fining that, uh, recipe that Alpha King had sent in uh, to us uh, and we talked about on past shows. Anyone who wants to understand about egg white fining, send us email at cellardwellers at talkshoe.com. We will share with you Alpha King's uh, recipe. Uh, I think those would be, you know, the, the main things that you're dealing with with respect to barrel aging. So the bottom line here is if you're using barrels, uh, first of all, clean them and, and preserve them properly. Top them off uh, regularly. Make sure your sulfite level stays up if you're aging for a long time. And don't leave it on the lees you know, too long. That can be a bad thing. I, I think two things for our listeners to take from this is I, I, I don't know that I'd ever want to go over a year – in an oak barrel with I, I agree with that. Or much over a year. I, I don't know. <clears throat> maybe some of our listeners, when we open it up, can, can correct me with this. But I don't know that uh, barrel aging for reds goes much beyond a year to 18 months. I might be wrong on that. You correct me if I'm wrong. But secondly, leaving it on the lees that long, to me, is just begging for a disaster. By the way, Tim. Although I, I, I am not, I did not know about the, um, what was the sulfide? There was some kind of strange chemical process in dead lees that lives under there that you just mentioned in this article. Well, the mercaptans oh, and the. Uh, okay. Uh, by the way, Tim also has read uh, this Mer- month's Mercaptain issue. Mercaptain of the Mer- ship. Mercaptains, a very bad smell. <laughs> um, but uh, Tim comments, uh, two comments, he, or comment in a question. He says, great issue this month. And I agree. I, I This is. One of those magazines, first of all, I read virtually every word in this thing. It only comes out every other month, so it's mm-hmm. not so hard to keep up with. But I keep all my past issues because one of the things they do really well is they refer back to, you know, we did this story back in this issue. And in fact, if you want to, right up front, they even allow you to order past issues. So if there's one that's particularly great. By the way, you might want to order your own copy. Oh, you, you also sub- subscribe to this, don't you? It has all the results from the winemaker competition, and we are featured prominently in here. Dave Nelson and, you know, unfortunately I sent your real name in when we entered. So uh, anybody you, can look it up <clears throat> under the Cabernet category. Which you, um... <laughs> <laughs> I edited that out. I, I, I blew, oh, did you? I, yes, I know. Because that night I, you gave my name, my social security number, my driver's license only number. Only live listeners know what that is. Everyone else wow. heard a loud beeping for about <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> so uh, I haven't gone back and listened to I'll have to listen well, to yeah, that you episode. you got to listen to that episode. I did clean up my little error there <laughs> in, the, in the post-production. Uh, by the way, Tim also asked, is there a good way to get uh, micro-oxygenation with carboys? Which brought me to my other... A thought with respect to racking. A good way to get proper mm-hmm. mind. See, that's a good question because if you believe the 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 old not the old timers, but if you believe in the theory that you need some micro oxygenation during that year of aging, then is aging in a car more necessarily a good idea? Yeah, that's a good question. And so I think some of the wineries that uh, age in stainless steel actually inject oxygen in a very fine you know, bubble form at the bottom and let it bubble up through the wine to... Um, wow, how do you know uh, how much to do that? Well, that would be the that's real risk. Scary. And so here's, for the home winemaker, I think that, that's technology that's, that's beyond us. So the only thing I'd say is when we rack, we are very careful to siphon the wine out of the, either the barrel or the carboy and drop it down to the very bottom of the container that it's going into. But you don't necessarily have to do that. So if you were aging purely in carboys, you could uh, take your wine as it's siphoning and splash it onto the side 
of your, you know, your container. Your temporary container. Your temporary container. So, so that it picks up a bit more oxygen. So through, I, so through racking, you right. can get your, some oxygenation. That, I think that would be the way to do it. I've yeah. specifically read that if you that's have too point. high a sulfite level, that's a good trick to help lower your sulfite level because that splashing, the sulfites and the oxygen together, I guess it precipitates something out or you know, whatever it does. Hmm, that makes, I wonder what chemistry happens there. Yeah, that's you'd have to go question. look at the combination to see what you get. But yeah. it's probably the same reaction that's causing the loss of sulfite anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess, Tim, that would be my recommendation. You can be maybe a bit more aggressive Splashy. or a little bit yeah, less compulsive about uh, your – Or do it an, an extra time or two. That alone is going to there expose you, you enough yeah, without getting crazy splashing it around. Have the kids jump in and swim around. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. So, hey, if you want your Great own question. subscription to winemakermag.com slash talk shoe, that will get it for you. Uh, sign up. They are a great sponsor of ours. And by the way, we are going to have the editor, Brad Ring, uh, join us on one of the future shows. Ah, we've got to get Brad in there. David had a, <laughs> an interesting comment. The federal law, he's blaming this on the French lobbyists it's somehow. Those... I'm not sure if you're right, David, but I'm, I'm 100% behind you on that. <laughs> Whatever you mean by that. <laughs> All right, which I think is a great point to transition. Okay, so um, – I gotta just go back to the the review. Jim Fleming, did we do a good job there of getting into sufficient wine making? I, yeah, I, I mean, think so. Of, we do get on a tangent, a little bit off, off season, on a tangent, right? Exactly, a little off season. It's another couple of months before we're going to, uh, you know, be getting the new grapes, and so this is the winding down and the last racking and starting to bottle and all that kind of stuff. So that this is what we're dealing with at this point in the cycle, but. On to wine news because David has brought up the French. By the way, before you get into that, <laughs> because I know the number, once you get going, I, you know, Tog, let Tog speak. We've had millions of emails oh, requesting yeah. that. Millions. The, there might have been millions of molecules in the. <laughs> Pixels in those emails, but <laughs> well, the the uh, one of the one I we tease the French. We love the French. I mean, they gave us the Statue of Liberty, you know. So the one of the things I love about France is right now, any cyclists out there, the Tour de France is going on. It started uh, this past weekend, and today they rode a stage. If anyone's not familiar with the Tour de France, it's it's basically twenty one stages over almost a month long. Uh, racing almost daily with a few days off, but most grueling uh, sporting event on the planet. And today they rode through Champagne, Ah, the region, the town and region region of Champagne, Champagne, which is an ancient city, walled city with a main gate. And they showed the peloton, which is the largest group of riders, flying through this arched gate into this walled ancient city. It was absolutely a beautiful day in France. It was absolutely gorgeous. They ride through a lot of wine regions. It's a really beautiful thing to, to yeah, watch. Some people don't realize that, that Champagne is the name of a region. The name of the region. Right. Bordeaux sure. is the name of a region. Burgundy exactly. is the name of a region. And that's yeah. why the French got so outraged when we tried to name our you know, Burgundies or Bordeaux or Champagnes. You know, that's why we call it sparkling wine because technically it's not a Champagne if it's not from the Champagne yeah. region. Yeah. Same, which is same. another thing that pisses me off about the French. <laughs> Like we needed another one. Yeah, we got Although they did have a, they had an election there. We should have a politics and wine some night too. They did have a, a recent election, and it's a where little bit the, the, more pro-American yeah, now. Yeah, and it's a little less, a uh, little less left-leaning. So, yeah, the, the left-leaning, right? Exactly. They're coming back to the right a little bit, but they got a long. They drink more way American wine. They'll get on track. They and will. Miller beer. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't count on that happening anytime soon. By the way, we're still looking for a French French front <laughs> oh, sponsors. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're flocking in now. Uh by the way, we should also thank our second sponsor, uh uh audiobooks.com. Uh that you you have to cool you can get website. two two free audiobooks by going to uh, podsavings.com slash audiobooks. And uh, I, I love listening to books on, uh, on MP3 on my iPod. Um, 
So uh, David chimes in. I wanted to come back to this topic, uh, Tog. You mentioned the Statue of Liberty. Uh, David chimes in that the Statue of Liberty does not meet USA building standards. <laughs> <laughs> now, David, that is brilliant. Why, because there's a female with her arm up? What, what does that mean? What, how does it not meet it? It's been there a long time. Well, she, it's, she it's not falling, is it? No, she didn't shave under her arm. Ah. That's the problem. Boy, there's another reason I like the French. Huh? Oh, Ooh, man. Yeah, that's a little nasty. I actually saw a program on, uh, I think it's the History Channel, about the Statue of Liberty within the last 30 days. Here's a little trivia question for you. The Statue of Liberty was originally going to be you know, the same you know, shape and copper skin surrounding a, um, a core of sand and cement. But the, um, I think the original designer of the uh, interior structure, if I remember correctly, died. Do you know who stepped in? to come up with the actual structure that supported all that, those copper sheets that make up the skin of the statue. I do. You do. Very famous uh, person, or at least a very famous name. Yeah, it was Ed Rundell. <laughs> Rendell. Rendell. Rendell to you. <laughs> no, the guy that designed the Brooklyn Bridge. It was uh, actually Eiffel. The guy who designed the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. I thought this who built the whole statue. See, I, I, my no, history no, no. was right. I thought he designed and did the no, whole. No, deal. no, he no. he built the sub the steel substructure for the exactly. He, he built the skeletal. Oh, I, had, I had my history wrong on that. On the inside, and actually, the whole Good process job. of building that thing was amazing because they started with a little, you know, four foot model, and then a sixteen foot model, and eventually they scaled it. I mean, this was back before, you know, computers and all that kind of stuff. They scaled it up very manually. And then hammered these copper sheets into this, the shape of this thing. And nobody thought this could be done. But uh, uh, it probably couldn't have been done if Eiffel hadn't stepped in with his engineering expertise on how to build a structure that could hold this weight. See, this is what happens. The French loved us. They built that they, – they, they built and sent over and, and constructed the, the Statue of Liberty. Right, and then we went in and we and saved the, their bacon. And then I was going to say, see, this is what happens. When, when you lose your butt in two world wars and we have to save you, now they don't like us. I figured that out. I, I don't get it. I don't understand right? it. The the Germans, not that we have anything against Germans or German sponsors, but the Germans were still looking for our first <laughs> right, exactly. Deutschland sponsor. Deutschland. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. I think that was the producers, wasn't it? Uh, so anyway, the uh, the French were you know not controlling their own country, and we pulled them out of that so that uh, now they they can uh, they don't like us, us for it. Eh, well, all nice. right, so this was all a long transition to wine news. Uh, we are forty six minutes into the show, and we haven't done news. We haven't done. Uh, we did some news. Uh, we did one news item. No listener emails yet, but at least we've talked a little bit about home winemaking, so that's a plus. All right. Deluge leaves French wine harvest at risk of ruin from mildew attack. Ah, when, this is, when uh, was that? This the is Deluge. Uh, yeah, posted 14 hours ago. Can you say Deluge? Deluge. I deluge? think you can. Deluge. That's not like. <clears throat> that's not like a Deluge, which is a. A Deluge, you know. That's also not an Olympic sport. Deluge. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it says, actually. This is really interesting. The mildew is biting hard, attacking the leaves of vines, and uh, worse in some cases, the grapes. We are fighting for the 2007 vintage. 60 days and nights of almost incessant Ooh. rain threatened to ruin large parts of the French wine harvest this year, especially in Bordeaux. I was just going to ask, where is this hitting? Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Now, Not what is interesting about that is it comes in with a second story. Related to French wine growers in crisis for a totally different reason. It turns out. Because they're French? <laughs> that, that, that's it. Did, All I, right. did I say that you out loud? sort of blew the story for me. <laughs> what can I say? Okay, so uh, this is a uh, one Mr. Uh, notice the photo here on our all audio podcast. That is Mr. What's he doing? Hacking Borchet. away? What's he doing? He's tearing up his vineyard. Oh That's what gosh. he's doing. Mr. Boucher, get, a, get yeah. a grip, buddy. He's tended this vineyard of several hectares. I don't, you know, I'm the numbers he's guy. He's hacking but the hectares? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Hector hacking, Hannibal. What was his hacking, name? <laughs> what was, <laughs> what was, was Hannibal's name? Uh, Hannibal Lecter, guy? not Hannibal. Hector. <laughs> <laughs> and that was oh. wasn't that in Italy? Oh, I love that movie, Silence of the Lambs, and all the other. This uh, guy's Hannibal lectoring his 
Hector's. Hector Hector's. Yes. He's tended these for 25 years, and now he is totally chopping them up. Uh, and, and why? Uh, because of this mildew? No, this is. A or totally he saw the movie. <laughs> He saw Silence of the Lambs. And he thought the vines were Jodie Foster. That's what it is. Okay, so he's tended these for 25 years. He's hacking the hell out of them. This is what's going on. Um, It turns out that local wine producers have seen the price for grapes drop by 50% in in France. And by the way, they are – Why? Because yields have been – why? Do you know? Well, yes. That's what the whole story is about. sorry. Uh, uh, A a liter of – um, Vin du Pays is sold for as little as 35, uh, 0.35 euros, which is about uh, 24 pence. I guess this is coming out of uh, – <laughs> this must be coming pence. out of London. Who uses pence anymore? Pence, it's all, uh, it's all euros. No, euros didn't How make it. How old is this article? <laughs> euros did not make it to England. England well, still true. uses the pound. So God 24 pence is going to be about 50 hang cents. In, okay? Hang in there, England. 50 cents. Uh, yet it costs about ten times that amount in supermarkets, and someone is pocketing the difference. And um, you know, so apparently, it's not the wine producers that are making the money here. I guess it's the retailers or the distributors or the mm, government. That's, all, that's the or, case. That's the case in almost anything. All right. Well, isn't it? So the European Union has uh, come up with a plan, and here's their plan. The European and, Union. Yes. Because of this guy hacking up his grapes and no, he's hacking it up. In, in the print. employ of the government. Here's uh, what the government, in its infinite wisdom, has decided to do. It uh, is giving thousands of euros in European subsidies, if you will, definit- this is in quotes, definitively grub up, which I guess means to hack the hell out of, your vines. So they're paying people to tear their vines out because excess wine production – in the EU, but mostly in France, is forecast to reach 15%, 15% excess by 2010, and this is driving down the prices. You know, does this sound familiar? It sounds very familiar. To this country, paying farmers not to grow crops? Corn, for As soon example. as you get government involved. Yeah, it's crazy. Is this insane? Well, Can, can we get let, Ed Rendo on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> to illustrate is the point. government open again? Wait, are the phones wait. oh uh, can the, the phones working? Can I didn't we call even him? get to what was stupid about the government's actions. Oh, it's not yet. stupid yet. <laughs> no, this article no, was brilliant. No. This whole article is going over my head. Here they're paying. Oh wait, 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 <laughs> wait one second. It's going Idiot over alert. my head. If that wasn't Idiot stupid, alert. I don't know what is. The numbers guy shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. Thank you. <laughs> David, that is absolutely brilliant. We've got to hear that one more time. Thank I love you. that. The numbers guy shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. Oh, brilliant. Over my head. Uh, not to be confused with over my dead body and so on. Um, the uh, meaning, of course, here is this is a, a two-for-one idiom. Ah. Because there are two different meanings to this idiom. So We've had 20 before for our idioms. So. No, we had 20 different theories on where they came from, but only one meaning. Ah, okay. But being in over your head can mean a risky situation that will lead to certain failure. Uh, or that is true. It can mean beyond I don't, I don't your ability to right. understand something. That so is true. This is a, a first. This is a first, a double idiom. Okay, so uh, you know, so maybe a, you're investing money. A didiom. <laughs> Uh, and uh, more money than you can afford to lose in a risky business yeah. venture. Yeah, you're over your head and uh, probably on the road to financial disaster. Um, like us buying microphones that work here in the studio. And, we might be uh, over our head. Actually, this turns into a triple because the definition here says, uh, in this case, you should try to keep your head above water. And it refers us to page 104 to understand what that idiom means. But then it goes on to say uh, the other meaning is that if a person tells a joke or a, a remark you don't understand, it goes over your head. And the thought is, thinking literally, it goes over your head rather than into your brain. You don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that is according to uh, Marvin Turban, who wrote the Dictionary of Idioms, Scholastic Dictionary, 
that's where it uh, comes from, or at least where the derivation or original meaning comes from, over your head as opposed to into your brain. This might be the best explained idiom we've ever shared with our listeners. Well, I love I mean, the fact because that all the, the others are like sort of eh, yeah. This this one this is good. I, I like that one. Is it Marvin? Mervin. It's uh, Marvin. 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 Good job on over your head, Marvin. All right. So we are getting to the stupid part. That, uh, <laughs> I can't believe that wasn't the stupid part. Okay, so I think this was below my head. Here's, here's the government in action. Okay. So the, the government, the European Commission is paying you know, thousands of dollars to individual farmers to, to chop up grapes. their vines. But brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant because they're trying to deal with a, an excess production capacity of 15% that's driving down prices. Okay, so why the government has to worry about this, I don't really know. But they're paying all this money out, and yet, paradoxically, they don't want to regulate planting of new vines. So there's no regulation <laughs> about planting new vines. So we'll pay you to get rid of your vines, and then you can turn around the next minute and plant new vines. Collect the money. And get taxpayer money to buy the new vines. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. So, oh, somebody uh, give me a revolver. Oh, so my gosh. The, those are the French. They are in crisis. And what's sort of funny about this. But that's this, not all that French. I mean, can't you see this? Oh, no, this, this could that's, happen. That's Even just in government. the great country. Of, government supersedes it's stupidity. It's the least, least effective method of organizing humans. Yeah, no doubt. Right? I mean, you could take a mob and they'll organize themselves better than a typical government will. It's incredible. Aye, aye, wow. Aye. Well, is, so the and, French but, are hurting but, on several different fronts this month. But, but for I the am, French government to take drastic measures with – I mean I could – you could sort of see the United States taking stupid, idiotic measures to pay farmers not to grow crops. But for the French to, to pay people to destroy grapes – something they are quite passionate about. I mean, it's the one thing they've sort of gotten right. That and the Statue of Liberty uh, is, is incredible. With that, we should bring the, um, the show to a closure at uh, an hour and 47 minutes now. I think we've gone long, although, again, we'll release this in two parts. So uh, if you weren't listening live, I guess it's the end of the second part. We certainly enjoyed uh, drinking our Behringer Founders Estate Cabernet, although passionate one. I enjoyed the blend you brought in of our own. Just uh, as much, if not more. Um, so I, I tell you this what. This was phenomenal. Hey, keep the um, emails coming, folks. Uh, we love to uh, hear from you at uh, com. If you've got ideas for the uh, Italy trip that we're going on. Uh, oh, we'd, we'd love I'll tell you. I'll tell you what would be a passion of mine in my life is to have – Get a group of a half a dozen or a dozen it folks of wine an enthusiasts, winemakers, and ride around Italy before we before yes, we sign off. What are here. we going to drink next uh, next time? Next, which will be uh, what are we talking? Let me check the dates here. Uh, so, two weeks from yesterday. Uh, you're right, and so my calendar says that uh, that will be the 24th of July. We'll be back with our next live show. Beautiful. And uh, what will we be sharing with everybody next show? One of the numbers guy and the passionate one, Tog's mm. favorite wineries. We both love this from one. From Chile. Ah. Chi, 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 le, le, le. Delish. When they play tennis, that's what they, they chant that at the uh, major tournaments. Do they really? The Chilean. Oh, yes. Yeah, so there's been some great chi, chi, Chilean. Chi, chi, le, le, le. Chi, 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 le, le. Yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what it means. Anyway, it's Montes Alpha, a classic winery, absolutely fabulous wines. Uh, one of my favorite wines go, and especially for the price, and it's usually in the – it's under 20 bucks. is the Syrah. But we're going to be drinking the Montes Alva, Alpha Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, right now, if you can get the 04 or the 05, wonderful, depending on how much you want to spend. This is, this is around – even here in PA, we can get this 14 15 bucks. So it's a little more than we typically do. We try to stay around 10 bucks, But – a little bit more, but this is a fabulous wine. We would love to enjoy it with everyone and get your feedback on it. By the way, um, right now, if I were going to buy the Behringer Cabernet or our blend, I'd buy our blend. <laughs> Just a little pitch there. I, uh, I'm loving it. But mm. the Behringer Cabernet was delicious. Delish, especially for eight bucks out in California. I'm, All right, that's well, a great buy. With that, thanks everyone for uh, joining us tonight. We will be back in um, 
one day less than two weeks. And um, I like the idea of going after Peter Brem, and uh, I'm really excited about this uh, Italy trip. It's going to be an absolute blast. I am Dave Nelson, and you are... The other guy. Cheers. See you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.